Welcome to the Homeschool High School Podcast, brought to you by SevenSistersHomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I'm Vicki, and I am so excited today because I have a couple of folks that I never dreamed I would meet until recently, and this is uh, Janet and Jeff Binge. And you guys may not know you know them because most of us have read their biographies to our kids over the years. And they've written the whole um, Heroes Then and Now series for uh, YWAM, and they're just kind of like pervasive in the homeschool community. So I want to just geek out for just a second. So Janet and Jeff, the first of your books that I read to my kids back, my oldest one, my oldest is 40 now, was Adoniram Judson way back in the day. And that book ignited the love of geography and people groups in us. And uh, we, to this day, I mean, we've given away most of ours, but we still have um, George Washington Carver sitting on our bookshelves, I noticed. So I'm so glad that I got to meet Janet at the two to one conference and I'm sitting listening to her give a workshop and it hit me all of a sudden not wait a minute that's the gal who wrote the books we love so <laughs> I was so excited when I got to meet you in person so today um, we're going to talk a little bit about how to research for biography and all the related topics to that because I know we have young authors in our audience. And we also have teens all need to write research papers and essays. You know, they need to know some of these tips. So we've got it from the experts here. So Janet and Jeff, would y'all just tell us a little bit about your story? Sure. Jeff and I are both from New Zealand. We were both born and raised there. And I came from a Christian home, as did Jeff. And we both just imagined ourselves living well, I know I imagine myself living a fairly ordinary life. I was an elementary school teacher. And how about you, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I uh, yeah never set out to be a writer. I'm not sure what, <laughs> uh, what it was uh, that I set out to be. I was a, before I became a writer, I was a chef. Uh, and so writing is quite a big departure from that. Yeah, how cool is that? <laughs> yeah. A little crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it just tells us, you know, a, a, a man's mind plans his ways, but God directs his path. So we, we set out on one direction. And as long as we follow God, he will take us all kinds of interesting places. Well, we, oh, yeah. we certainly did. We had uh, our oldest, older daughter, Shannon, and uh, then we joined Youth with Mission, uh, and we went overseas with them after we had done our initial training. Uh, we started off in Hawaii and on a, on a hospital ship, and uh -huh. then uh, we went to the Philippines, which was really um, probably the most life-changing thing for me. Don't you think, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, it was really pretty fascinating. I mean, I'd spent time in the in the Pacific Islands, but this was, I think, Janet's real experience to totally cross-cultural, and it was. It was a life-changing, and of course, we also ended up adopting a son from the Philippines, so it, it changed our family forever. Right, and when we started writing, uh, we... You know, I had been to Australia from New Zealand, I'd been, uh, and then we'd been to Hawaii, but there was a certain familiarity about it being Polynesian culture and Western culture. And then we went to the Philippines, and New Zealand is a, a very 
kind of gentle culture. Mm-hmm. And then we were in this culture where, you know, people had AK-47s in the parking lots um, to protect you going into stores and people starving on the streets. And uh, it was just, it was pretty mind-boggling for me. I um, yeah. <laughs> I really struggled with just, um, you know, people fly-ridden babies dying and stuff like that. And um, so we were out in a little country place called Antipolo Rizal, and we were in a, a, a big abandoned hotel, and it sounded okay on paper, but really it was a bit disastrous. I think it was like uh-huh. five floors, and there was <laughs> no water. No water. No water. We were on oh, no. the fifth floor, so um, oh, no. yeah, at that stage we had the two kids, so every ounce of water for the bathroom or the bath or anything had to be carried in a bucket up five steps five flights of stairs so yeah that's gonna make you really water conscious really fast (laughs) so anyway we were we were there and about the third day I um, drew the curtains locked down and uh, there was a huge line snaked out uh, of people down the hill and uh, I went downstairs and I'm like hey what are we doing here you know what's the big event and they're like what do you mean what's the big event I'm like well there's you know maybe 100 200 people all outside the door waiting for it to open and they're like oh you know this is our Wednesday giveaway we give away um, two pieces of used clothing to anybody who comes to the door and I was like whoa I mean I just boggled my mind I was like these people stand in line for three or four hours for you know a t-shirt or a pair of flip-flops or oh my goodness this is you know, I was very naive and I was like, oh, this is just something. If the people at home could see this, um, yeah. they would, you know, help out. So um, I, I wrote a kind of a little newsletter to our our supporters and um, several other people asked if um, they could use the words, you know, the text. I said, sure. And that can, kind of went on for a couple of months, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. And then uh, for some reason, people were like, hey, you guys – write pretty good so <laughs> we need uh this was with youthful mission in the philippines we need somebody to write a national newsletter and send out and report on what we're doing and so we ended oh. up with that job and so that's kind of the entree we made into writing and you can see that's quite a jump yeah i'm writing to <laughs> 35 people that you know in your home church to oh well yeah we're starting a national newsletter you guys you guys are, uh, will do it. We're like, uh, and up to that time, you know, we'd every time we wrote a newsletter, it was a tremendous um, hassle for us, and always, you know, had a lot of disagreements about it, and uh, it wasn't the world's most pleasant experience. Uh, but we um, worked a lot of things out doing the national newsletter. It was very successful, and that led to Jenny Rogers, who was Lauren Cunningham. This is, uh, his sister and she he is the founder of YWAM she called us several times for Texas and asked us if we would come to a writer's school with John and Elizabeth Sherrill who had written The Crossing the Switchblade and The Hiding Place and you know most of the classics that people our age were raised on the kind of narrative Christian narratives yeah Um, but we knew that was just not possible we were very very much just subsisting in the Philippines we certainly didn't Mm -hmm. have cash to come to the States right and then I guess God miraculously provided one day uh, someone that we ki- we knew okay. I mean, like we'd be in their house and things, but we weren't best friends. An older couple wrote to us and said that God had told them to tithe the um, sale of their farm to us. Oh. And 
in New Zealand farms were quite valuable and we were yeah. like, all of a sudden we had enough money to go to the States and to Texas and do this uh, writing course, which we did. And it, that's what opened uh, my eyes. I had always been a very avid reader, but I had always read for the story. And listening to John Elizabeth, I, I had this really eye-opening moment, this aha moment that books are crafted and that the writer doesn't just kind of download things from, you know, from the sky, but they actually um, have kind of techniques and, you know, in a sense, they're kind of manipulating the reader. Um, they're dropping this here and they're, they're leaving uh, anticipation and, you know, this dialogue isn't just happened to be there. It's, ha it's, it's moving forward the story in a particular way and uh, once I realized that that was what was happening then I realized I could learn how to do that too I'd never considered that it was um, something you could learn how about you Jack yeah no we learned a lot uh, from John Elizabeth uh, and I must say it took like four tries to get us to come from the <laughs> Philippines to like no, we don't do that. You know, writing a newsletter was hard enough. You want us to come with a 100-page manuscript and work. And oh. <laughs> so eventually uh, they prevailed upon us and we came and um, we discovered that together we had a natural talent for writing. And so the rest was kind of history. We learned an awful lot about telling the kinds of stories that we tell in the series books from John Elizabeth, but they'd also been ghostwriters and they taught us a lot about ghostwriting. And then for the first what, 15 years of our writing career, we were ghostwriters. Oh, so so you guys learned from some, you know, well-seasoned experts about writing being a craft and it uh -huh. took a lot of of courage and humility to sit and and train yourselves to do a calling that God was opening up that you didn't know was there. That's pretty darn amazing that y'all were willing to you know, go all the way to the States, go with the manuscript, and then sit and listen to these experts oh, and try yeah. to wrap your heads around that. Oh, it was. And, you know, so many people and, you know, we teach people on writing and we're involved in a number of different writing projects around Orlando, but so many people try for so long to become writers and literally yeah. it landed in our laps. We did yeah. not set out uh, in any way to be writers, but here we are. And yeah. I think it's all the more, well, just to say that, yeah, coming to the States from the Philippines was um, very difficult because we had to leave our son behind for a while. But um, even even the trip, you know, we were still economical Kiwis and the, the course wasn't cheap. So yeah, yeah. We took a Greyhound bus from L.A. to East Texas with, um, I was pregnant and we had a two-year-old. I, I admire that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's a story. I think it was a little naive. Yeah, it is a story. I think there's a little naivety there, but she was a very good little girl. So uh -huh. that really helped. She just sat and looked out the window. But um, yeah, we uh, did that. And, um, you know, it is amazing. When I look back, I, I do feel that the chances of us succeeding at this and of sticking with it were pretty slim. Um, I know for myself, I'm ADHD and I'm dyslexic. So um, I have less chance than the average person of sticking at writing books for, yeah. for years and years. But I've always had Jeff, and uh, he's the other half of the team, and um, he's been a remarkable um, partner for me. And together we have, uh, we have overcome, yeah, quite a few obstacles. Yes. I think that's lovely is, is God also made you a team, not mm -hmm. just one person doing a project. 
So how did you get the whole, I think I was counting like there's 35 books in the series at least? Uh, yeah, between the, well, we'd have the Christian heroes then and now and then the heroes of history. And I believe we're writing the 80th book and those two uh, series combined right now. Yeah, so it's it's amazing. And they're all, every one of them, just so absolutely readable and informative. So what what brought y'all to the writing, the biography series? Uh, well, YWAM Publishing were started getting into, you know, selling homeschool materials and they would go to the homeschool shows and there were these other biography series that were there that people were buying up to use, but they were so tediously boring and parents were complaining about them. And so our publisher was uh, listening to all of this and then came to us and said, look, these are amazing stories, but these are all dull, boring biographies. Some of them are a hundred years old and others are just old, not very excitingly. And so would you be interested in working with us on a series? So we said, sure. And then we uh, started doing, uh, I think we had a contract to write the first one or, and uh, they loved it. And then, uh, so then we wrote the first four books actually together. They were all published together. And the series just took off because they are great stories. They're uh, exciting. They're wonderful. People, you know, do a, amazing exploits for God and people of character. So they deserved a, a modern telling. And so that's how the series started. Mm, we feel kind of like we are their ambassadors for a new generation because if somebody doesn't write their stories in a way that captures um, the imagination of kids today, they're not. They're just not going to read them and they're not going to be exposed to them. So um, I know for myself, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of traveling back in time and plucking them out of obscurity and, and dusting them off and, and giving them and their experiences and their wisdom uh, another generation to, to inspire. Yeah. And these biographies are not boring. They're like stories because these lives are stories. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're so absolutely inspirational and kids need that. Teens need that. Like they need to read things that give them a vision of something outside of their own neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just, I just love those. So, so let's inspire the, the kids right. and uh, let's talk about your research and just take it wherever you guys want to go. Like how do you write biographies? Okay, well, uh, I do. <laughs> How's that for a jolt? <laughs> yes, all right, ma'am. <laughs> I do a lot of the initial research. Jeff has um, a much wider general knowledge than me, so um, he starts with that platform more than I do. But I start with something that I can fully understand. So I will start by, depending on how many books there are on a person, if I'm doing someone like George Washington, I can't possibly read all the books on him. Yeah. But if I'm doing someone like Amy Carmichael, I can have a good shot at reading all that has been written about her. Okay. Um, so I'll um, get books and I get my books mainly from abebooks.com, which is a fantastic resource of used books from around the world. Uh -huh. And then I I go online, of course, if I find if there's an organization that is aligned with the person or that the person founded, then um, I will contact them and see what kind of resources and archives they have. Um, and then I'll just read around. And the first thing to do is, I feel, is to get a kind of a sense of who the person is and who what was happening in their time that made what they did so extraordinary. Um, so I'm kind of looking at 
where they live, I'm looking at the time period they live in, and I'm looking at how they sort of, in a sense, superimposed something different or unique on that and left a mark. Uh, so that's how I get started on it. Um, I'm always looking out for things that I think will interest young people, little quirky things. Oh, yeah. With some people, there's different types of information. Some famous people, the more famous you are, the more likely it is that you've got something weird written about you or some very obscure viewpoint. So um, by reading widely, um, you get a sense of, well, that doesn't really gel with anything else I've read. So that kind of helps. You don't want to go off on some, you know, crazy tangent because you just read it in a biography. And then uh, we take it from there. So that's how we get started, just with as broad a base as we can can uh, find. And then after that, I just basically concentrate on time periods of the person. Like, okay, what what was their life like at the time they were born? Um, say, for instance, I was just thinking of Teddy Roosevelt today who became a president, well, in his childhood, he watched the news of the assassination, I believe, of three presidents. So, you know, how does that build you up to be the president? You know, things like, so I'm I'm trying to make connections, like, so that it kind of binds the story together. And obviously, there would have been connections in his mind. So just basically start and just go through, think, find the points that I think are really turning points and work with those. And what do you think, Jeff? Yeah, you uh, basically outline the story and then you run through and you know, write the first draft. And then I have a degree in history and philosophy. So oh, I come back and then I'm, you know, I'm obviously fact-checking and, and that. And then as Janet alluded to earlier, she is dyslexic. And so I uh, rewrite a lot of stuff, correct it, and just punch up. And then sometimes when she talks about We'll find a, a really good scene and she'll just like, okay, I need this here and give me some references to the books and I'll write those. And she gets, sometimes she gets the world wars <laughs> confused and we have to straighten mm-hmm. that timeline out. Yeah. Y'all make such a good team. I, I really appreciate that. Okay. So what I'm, what I'm hearing you say is when you guys set out to write one of your biographies, you don't just say, okay, I read you know, on Wikipedia, now I'm going to go write a biography. You read extensively mm-hmm. about that person. Right. And you, you contact organizations that they either started or were associated with them. So you're getting kind of like primary documents in a way, you know, from those organizations. Right. right. The other thing that we uh, often do, if the person is alive or one generation from being alive and we can contact family members, we'll do that. We've interviewed a lot of widows and, um, you know, so we we try to um, get it right. We Sometimes we don't. I've been reading, I was reading a Stephen Ambrose book this week and he got quite, I would say, a major, major fact completely wrong. I was like, uh-huh. whoa, you oh, know, yes. and Jeff reminded me, um, everybody, you know, everybody makes mistakes. And I was like, yeah. whoa. Yes, that's no perfect book. So I felt a little better about that. But we do try very, very hard because what I don't want is for kids to read our books and then to read, you know, an objective adult version of a biography and find that we, you know, really missed out some very important parts or that we skewed it in some way. I I feel very strongly that we need to be as accurate as we possibly can be. Yeah, we do that. And some one of the things that 
also we do a lot of is just reading even outside about the history of the time that the person's living in because the oh. books are uh, have a contemporaneous viewpoint so we know, we only know what the person knows in their viewpoint so we read that because that's the context upon which their life is built and so for example when we were writing Elizabeth Fry who is about prison reform in England um, during the Victorian era. Mm-hmm. We ended up spending a lot of time studying Victorian England, which is one of Janice's favorite things to look at, <laughs> and also studying about um, the convicts in Australia, especially in re- regard to the woman that was sent there. So, so that we had this context, so that even if we might just have a sentence or a paragraph about that, we may have read for several days, so that really is authentic and carries the correct information that we think is needed. Yeah, and that's so important. People that were living in the Victorian age did not have the same worldview as those of us now. No, it's true, and it's um, it's a decision that we have to make. If something is uh, would be construed in a different context today, we have to decide, um, do we have the time, you know, the, the word count, to uh, introduce it in such a way that we can also provide enough context that the reader will understand that this was either normal or abnormal for that time. You know, it's something to really uh, think about, and and, uh, we spend a lot of time discussing that. Mm -hmm. So how do y'all decide what to leave in and what to drop? Like your books are, they're not 600 page long, you know, graduate level reading. They're for young readers to be inspired. Um, so how do y'all like weed things out? Oh, it's dreadful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> much good stuff gets left out sometimes. I think we're trying to give a flavor of the person's life, of, of their personality, of their character. Uh, and the challenges that they faced. And so that means a lot of stuff has to go by the wayside. Um, we're writing for uh, a younger audience. We have kids of six or seven who listen to our books as read-alouds. So some things uh, we have to kind of hint at that older kids or adults would uh, be able to understand, but little kids won't, you know. For instance, um, in the thing of slavery, um, you know, I, I'm very, I'm very interested in slavery. I've read a lot of first-person um, accounts of slavery, and you know, it could be really, really brutal, especially for women who were owned by uh, these men. Um, one can only imagine. But in our books, yeah. you sort of just have to imagine. But I try to put enough context in to like have have kids really think about how it would feel to be you know, owned rather than the Pollyanna kid view of, oh, you work all day and you don't get paid and you can't leave. You know, I, I try to, to go a little more deep than that and like, okay, how does it feel to be owned by somebody? But um, we are writing for kids. So it's, it's, it's all a very delicate balance. Um, and we really take it seriously and uh, try to embed some, um, some really good thinking skills in the kids. Right. And, while we're writing the books, you know, we talked about the history and all of that context. The thing that really interests us the most about the person is their character. So that's one of the things that we borrow in. So in, in one sense, we're not writing traditional biographies. We're, we're using narrative tools to tell nonfiction stories, like so they read like fiction, but that really draw our readers in. And, the, and we want you to fall in love with the character of this person, because after all, it's that character is why we're writing about them. So... That precludes some things that you might put in an adult biography. And, of course, a lot of biographies are much more 
looking at analyzing the things that a person did and why they did it. And they don't even usually take the same viewpoint that we're doing, we're using to tell these stories. So all of these things sort of guide us. And, you know, having written a lot of the books, our brains sort of have a pattern, uh, you know, that we find our way through. Yeah, and the other thing is that um, we, we are very aware that we're writing for young people and there are many other things they could be doing besides reading a book. Right. Um, and I think one of our biggest joys uh, is we get quite a few comments and letters from parents who say that one of our books is the first book that their child has ever been interested enough to read from start to finish. And that's a huge compliment. Um, but that means that, you know, things that are not, exciting to our readers, um, which to an adult readership or to someone writing a biography would require that they put in the five years, you know, when they were doing something. Um, we don't require that ever ourselves because we need to keep the story moving. So we can quite comfortably go, you know, for the next five years, um, Dwight Eisenhower, you know, worked hard at blah, 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 and do that in four or five sentences. Uh, an adult biographer certainly, you know, can't get away with that. So we are very aware of um, keeping the story moving forward and keeping it interesting. Yeah, and I, I think that's what keeps the kids coming back for another biography. Mm -hmm. And so these, they, like you said, the, the younger kids can listen to these as read-alouds. And, and I had five kids, so I could read to the whole group. But I remember in particular my second son, who's a history buff, you know, from the time he was born and probably started out with Adoniram Judson, um, anyway, he, he just got the, the fire and every time I could get one of y'all's books in the house, he was reading that on his own Wow! because the stories kept him going, but it ignited that spark mm -hmm. in him for history and for understanding people and people groups. Right. Right. And people are people, you know, through the generations, everybody has challenges. They're all different challenges. And I think that's what, what's fascinating. But in the end, it comes down to a character. How do you deal with whatever this challenge mm -hmm. is? And uh, hopefully, you know, we've um, chosen people who show how to uh, overcome and, you know, let their character show through. And uh, I think that's what, does keep the kids coming back because I think it's it's an inspiring example for them. Right. And I think character really binds you into a story. I, I know when we write the stories and reading them back for the last time, like, oh, you know, this, of course, most of them die. <laughs> but you sort of have this emotional response. And I, yeah. you know, as a writer of these, I get there like, oh, I got tears running down my cheeks because, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's what happens, I think, when you really burrow into a person's character and you really care about them and when you get yeah. to the end of their life. Because people say, what? I cry when I read these. We don't set out to make that happen. But we cry too. But we cry, <laughs> yeah, we cry too and we created these, yeah. uh, these things. It's just as you really get inside a person's life and you see who they are. And how they struggle. And, and you begin to route for them and, you know, it's like, wow, you can't help but feel sad when the, the end comes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so people, as, you know, I noticed as my kids read it, they were engaged in the story and with the person. And I really appreciate it. So just rabbit trail for a minute. If you guys think back on the gazillion books you guys have written, do you have a few heroes that you particularly, like they are top of your list in people that have inspired you? 
Um, for me, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it quite right, but Adnaram or Ad, or however we spell it. <laughs> yeah, I I made I I made the, my own pronunciation of that one. So and I've made mine. So who knows? Um, <laughs> but Adnaram um, Judson to me will always be inspirational because we didn't share share away from his his depression as you know mental health issue, and I, mm-hmm. I find that it's very inspiring to have someone who is uh, less than perfect and less than constantly gung-ho um, yeah. <laughs> and still they're working towards um, their goal and they're out there serving and they're coming up against horrific obstacles and sometimes it takes them a year or two but they get up and get going again and, and that's I, I find Adoram to be particularly um, inspiring. How about you, Jeff? Well, one of the guys that... Uh I, because I met him personally, uh, one of the books, David Basso, who is from New Zealand but is lives in Australia. And so in 2007, we were writing his book. I went to Australia and spent several days with David. And he was probably the person who had the biggest impact on me because just sitting there listening to this man, it's like this man understands poverty and the poor like nobody and I've been a missionary for 10 years and I you know and I have been to some horrendous places but this guy understands and he is coming up with solutions and uh, so for me just that personal touch and writing his story deeply touched me he's probably the wisest most amazing man when it comes to how do you help the poor he's your guy to talk to so uh he's he's great um one of the other guys that really it was a very difficult book to write, but is inspiring to me is the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Oh my, yes. One of the most difficult books we've written, but you know, he's, uh, to do what he did was just like, wow. And it was difficult because again, coming back to the idea of, of our audience, uh, you know, so much yeah. of his story is theological and, yeah. and academic, and that's just not thrilling. No. You know, it has very limited appeal. So, um, how to uh, really get that point across so they understand, but at the same time move the story forward so that they want to see what happens next is, uh, you know, is challenging. But, yeah, we, yeah. we nearly gave up. I nearly gave yeah, up Janet, on Dietrich. Really I was, well, whoa. I mean, well, when you think about it, because most of the stories we're usually writing from the other side, especially thinking about wars and the, and the period that he's living in, yes. we're usually writing on the side of the allies and the victors and different people there. But so we have to write this thing that shows up in our books from the German perspective. Wow. And then we have to show it through the eyes of a little boy as he grows up and through this. And so that was very challenging to try and get inside the whole German mindset at the time and what was going on in that. And our uh, son-in-law is uh, his from German, his grandparents were German. And so oh. I, I gave it to uh, his father, read the book, and he gave it to some of the folks in Germany. And they said, oh my goodness, this is exactly how it was. So we oh. were like, okay, we did it. At great yeah. personal yeah. expense. <laughs> that was really sometimes. So that was a huge yeah. challenge, that book. Got Some of the it. books just kind of slip out and um, they're yeah. very easy and very, um, seem to come very naturally. We've got a lot of background in, in it and we understand. And then some of them are um, pulling teeth and the pulling teeth book, but well worth it. Oh, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's, a, it's a really good book. And like Janice alluded to, most of the books about 
Bonhoeffer, about six or seven, eight hundred words, because two thirds of them are analyzing his theology. And so once you pull that out, there's just this amazing story there that we really um, zeroed in on. That That's so exciting. And it's such a wonderful way to introduce young people to the challenges of that time period. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, you know, teens, after they read that, they're inspired. And if they want to go on and read some of his works, then they'll have a context for it. Yeah. That would be a shot. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it is it is not light reading. Right, and I think too, you know, um, it challenges um, the whole black and white history is, you know, it does have a lot of shades of grey and, you know, to find good people in Germany during, um, you know, the Nazi era and, you know, we're always kind of looking for not just things that create rigid lines between people groups but things that are unifying and there's there's good people everywhere yes as you study history and you read about that in wars i mean the victors always get to shape the tell the history and and shape the perceptions of that but once you be as you begin to borrow into that you find you know there are good people on both sides of these things they are gray they are not as uh, black and white as uh, history books would have us think and to to read somebody like bonhoeffer who had the courage to make some stands that were not safe um, in a time, you know, that that's, I, I think it's just such good reading for kids. So, okay. If you, you know, cause I know we have aspiring young authors in the audience. So what would you suggest to them as they start thinking about, you know, writing their own books, even like I have teens send me books sometimes just cause they want me to read them. And I'm so excited about that. What, what, what are some suggestions that you could give to them? Well, I would say starting with a book is, is a fairly huge undertaking. I would say try maybe try just writing some essays or some short stories first and see what kind of things you like to write because it's the things you like to write that you're going to be able to see through to the end. I mean, I can see, I'm looking at my bookshelf now, and I can see lots of books that I am not really capable of writing. I like to write what in the style that I write, and that was uh, trial and error. So rather than start five books to see what your style is, perhaps you know, try five uh, stories, essays, narratives, whatever, and, and see, yeah, I'm really proud of that. I felt like I felt good about that. I felt like I got my point across. Um, and so kind of take some small bites and and ask yourself what you think went well and you know what what you're proud of producing see I did not I did not plant this seed um, but you said exactly what we are hoping for when we do language arts with our teens mm-hmm. is they do research papers and essays and stories and even poetry mm-hmm. so that they're gaining skills for capturing their ideas and and honing you know like like inspiring people, just getting those things in little bites and, you know, research skills and all. So right. it, you start out small and that gives you the, the experience to grow from that. And go yeah. see where you want to grow. I mean, someone who is a, a really good historic fiction writer may really not like journalism at all, but somebody who is really into journalism loves it. So yeah, find out what it is that you, you really feel good about doing. Right. And then, of course, the other thing as well is practice, practice, practice. I mean, you just keep writing mm. and you're writing for yourself, but it's also a good thing to let other people read it and give you some feedback to help you understand. But the other thing that all writers do is they read. 
and they read voraciously. And because as you read, you study, well, how did other people write and how did they handle the words and how did they handle this concept? Or, wow, I really like the voice that this author is writing in and maybe I'll try and emulate that and see, you know, is that something that works for me? You, we all writers end up with their own voice, you know, but we, we're great imitators along the way until we find that place that is unique. And that's also part of what you come back to book after book because you like the author, you like the way, you like their voice and the way that they break down and tell a story or whatever particular genre you're doing. So also read a lot, think about what is being said, see how other writers work the craft. Yeah, and I would add to that. I totally agree. And I I would add that sometimes it's better to read the same thing five times than it is to read uh, five things once. Mm-hmm. For instance, if you're thinking of writing a first chapter, find a book that you really love that you'd like to write in a similar way. And before you do your first chapter, read their first chapter. Because when uh, this is where I had my aha moment uh, with John Elizabeth, it's like I had always read a book to find out what was going to happen. Yeah. And I knew I liked the book, but I, I really didn't know um, how it was put together because I was busy reading the story. But if you read the same thing three, four, five times, you know the story. Your brain turns off that need to keep going, and you can look at how it's structured. So I would say if you're going to do a first chapter, find a book that you really love, that you like, you feel like this is kind of how you'd like to do it. And then, you know, read it until you can see, um, okay, how did it start? How much information is in the first chapter? How many characters are introduced? How are they introduced? How is the time period introduced? How is the conflict or the, you know, the main story? Uh, how is that kind of hinted at? And ask yourself some questions like that. And that will, I think, is one of the easiest ways to get yourself up and running. Yes, yeah, so learning the craft by reading it. What a great idea. Mm-hmm. And noticing yeah. it. it. It's more than reading it. It's reading it with intention to to really dissect it, which is a whole different thing to just reading it. Right. There are all kinds of little online classes that you can take that help you, again, um, quantify what it is that you're doing. When you write, tell stories, you're using the rules of narrative. So you can take a little class and learn about narrative. Well, mm-hmm. what are these things mm-hmm. that I'm work these blocks that I'm playing around with? So you get a better understanding of those so that when you come and, you know, to find your voice and how you want to write, then you can take those things and shape them and make them yours. So that's certainly uh, something to do as well. So have you guys thought or, or done it already, made your own courses on writing yet? Uh, <laughs> We're working on it right now, actually. Uh-huh. Yeah, we have, uh, you know, spoken at a lot of writing schools and workshops and different places around yeah. the world. And we had, we, a number of years ago, we ran our, what we call Writers Interactive, which were programs that we came and taught at, but we haven't, but uh-huh. now we're actually with everything online Yes, looking at putting together some courses because, of course, we get a lot of the same question from our readers. I want to write like you. So we're, yeah, kind of really our focus um, and our specialty is telling uh, nonfiction stories with narrative techniques and to sort of focus in on that because it is a specialized uh, topic. But, you know, if you if you do what we do, you can actually write really good fiction too because we're using the same tools. Yeah, and I, I you know, listening to you guys talk, I... I kept wanting to raise my hand and say, I want to come to your class. So. <laughs> right. 
Well, we are working on it and um, we'll, as soon as we've got something together, we'll uh, definitely ne- let you know. Please do. Okay. Well, that's a good segue. So could you guys tell our listeners how to find you guys and how to get books if they haven't already been engaging in the, the Heroes series? Yes. Uh, the books are published by YWAM Publishing and you can find them at ywampublishing.com. Uh, and they're our publisher. They're based in Seattle. They have great books there. The books are available on Amazon. You can also go to our website, bengebooks.com, and you'll find a lot more information about us out there. And you'll also find a complete listing and a little little blurb on each of the books that are available there. And you can click through from there to YWAM Publishing and buy the books, et cetera. That's the, the best way to get to us and find out. And then there's Facebook. Well, yes, we have, uh, we're, we have a presence on Facebook, uh, Heroes In and Now we are, and we're also on Instagram where we're Benj Books. Uh, there's many ways to find us. We're a little bit stale on our social media, but we uh, it's been a crazy time as we I think for everybody, but we're you know, picking up on some of that. I, I will have links to all of those in the show notes uh, because it's it's really worth just engaging in those books like the, our young people of all ages, but especially teens. You know, we just don't want them to graduate without having some idea of these inspiring people who've gone before. Right. And uh, you, those books are just so much fun. So. Um, anyway, I highly recommend them, as you can tell. Well, and one other thing that we're actually working on right now is because we get so many requests from people, from students who've read our books and have to write reports, et cetera, we've, over the years that we get so many requests for information. So we're putting together a series of author notes, which talk about us talking about the books, giving you some background on how we wrote that, some of the things, the uh, challenges, things that we wrote it, as well as some questions and, uh, stuff so they're uh in the in works they should be out in full and then they're good if you want to start a book club or something around the books because you have questions etc if you go to our website sign up for our newsletter we'll let you know in the fall when they come out but they are definitely in process right now that's awesome i will be putting links for that so i'm excited about those things thank you so any any final things you want to say to our listeners? Well, I just want to say that I think, you know, things are very difficult right now and um, we need to dig in and um, find people who have also lived through very difficult times. I think that um, this whole situation uh, in the States has really caught people off guard. I, I think that reading biographies of other people who have uh, endured hardship can really help us get through. And so I'd encourage you to read true stories of people who have had to go through some of the things that we're going through right now. Yeah. And hey, you're living through some tumultuous history right mm. now, you know, on a worldwide scale. So, I mean, you're, we write about people who've been through some tumultuous things, mm-hmm. but you're going through it right now. Make some notes, write it down. And also thank you to all of those folks who buy and read our books. We really appreciate it. You make our day when we hear from our readers and they really enjoy our books. Very good. Yeah, hopefully reading some good biographies will inspire Mm -hmm. some of our young people to become the people that are the subject of biographies in the future. Absolutely. There's a new batch coming out in 40 years (laughs) and it, it will be people now. We yeah. need these young people. Yeah, yeah. We, we need them now. All right. Well, I better wrap it up. So I thank you again, Jeff and Janet. You guys have just blessed my day. 
And I'm sure all everyone that's listened to this episode, it feels blessed and informed so and inspired. So thank you. And also go check out the show notes so you can get the links over to the resources from the binges. So this has been the Homeschool High School Podcast brought to you by sevensistershomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Mm-hmm.